Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, there are reports that we could soon hear an announcement on easing travel restrictions. The orders in council which uh, govern the specific measures at the borders, amongst other things, are renewed on the 21st of each month. So uh, before the 21st of June, uh, we'll obviously have something to say uh, around these measures being rolled over uh, and look ahead to possible adjustments over time. The Conservatives demand that Defence Minister Harjit Sajjan be fired. Falsifying your service record, throwing Admiral Mark Norman under the bus, covering up sexual misconduct. That's not the record of a minister who can be trusted to implement the necessary changes at national defense. And with a record as shameful as that, it's no wonder that senior military leaders do not respect their minister. And the Green Party Federal Council votes on whether to begin the process that could remove Annamie Paul as leader. There are those who, of course, in any party, uh, are, we're not ha- you know, are not happy with uh, the results. Uh, as much as you try to bring everyone together, there are those that are going to continue to support others, uh, including some of the other candidates who ran. Uh, and I would just encourage them again to respect the will of the members uh, who made it very clear uh, who they were seeking to have lead them at this point. It's Wednesday, June 16th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. Dan, thank you for being with us today. Well, good morning, Mark. So let's talk about the where we stand with the pandemic in Canada. There's encouraging news about vaccination rates, obviously. The the number of Canadians who have received their first dose and the number who have received their second dose continue to rise pretty rapidly. Um, and that has raised lots of questions about whether we should now start easing the restrictions on travel. Uh, what do you think about that? Oh, inevitably, there uh, there will be easing of, of these restrictions, which, after all, have gone on for a long time and are incredibly unusual, just simply unprecedented outside of wartime or even during wartime to have the U.S.-Canada border, uh, you know, effectively closed other than to... Um, Essential traffic, um, you know. So, and the, and the internal uh, movement uh, restrictions are also very strict and and have uh, been going on for a long time. But we see signs of uh, of easing of some of that. Uh, they're certainly taking place down here in Atlantic Canada, where they're you know we we've got the the so-called Atlantic bubble more or less three quarters opened uh, starting June the twenty third. Uh, in a phased uh, approach. So, you know, people in, from Newfoundland to the Quebec border in New Brunswick will be able to move around with very few uh, restrictions, if any, depending on their vaccination and everything like that. Um, and uh, we did see Dominic LeBlanc, who's the intergovernmental affairs minister, uh, saying they expect to have a little bit more on that by Monday. And, um, you know, maybe at least you know, set out the plan and set out the different phases, uh, although it wouldn't happen right away. All right, we'll see what happens there. Uh, let's turn to what's happening in Canada's military. Uh, it, it's uh, There are so many questions about some of the decisions uh, by senior leaders in the Canadian military. And all of this for the opposition, of course, falls at the feet of Defence Minister Harjit Sajjan. Uh, there are many people who have talked about 
uh, how surprised they are. Sajjan continues to be the defense minister. There have been a, a number of different events over the over the last five years that have have raised calls from the opposition for his resignation or his firing, and now it's happening again. So. What's your sense of of uh, the latest concerns and whether they will cost Harjit Sajjan his job? Well, uh, I was one of those people and have been one of those people who for some time have uh, expressed my mystification at what uh, Sajjan is still doing in that role. Uh, I mean, he, I'm, he is a capable guy. He could probably serve in a number of cabinet portfolios, but this one here has really uh, been uh, burned. And, uh, you know, this continuing misbehavior at the most senior ranks of the Canadian military over, you know, sexual harassment or ignoring the complaints and concerns of members who felt uh, they were uh, treated wrong by senior officers. And it just goes on and on. And, uh, you know, while... I, I usually take any opposition call for the head of a minister with, uh, you know, a bag of rock salt because, uh, you know, the opposition is really trying to damage the government and they care most about that in many cases. Uh, in this particular case, um, you know, I think Prime Minister Justin Trudeau could have shuffled Sajjan out of that job some time ago and uh, carried on with a new minister and got some of these problems put behind them. But for whatever reason, Trudeau has not done that. So now, here we are with all this election talk and and everything looming, uh, you know, just over the horizon. Uh, It's a bit late, you know, to make this move. So I I assume, uh, you know, it's more bloody-mindedness than anything else that's keeping Sajjan in the cabinet, in that role. And, uh, you know, I, I just don't see how this benefits the Liberal government to have Harjit Sajjan as defense minister any longer. Um, I, I mean, I don't think there's really much to uh, recommend the positions of other parties in terms of would they run DND better and the military better than the Liberals. But uh, this is definitely, uh, you know, damaged goods. And he's in too prominent a role, and there are too many ongoing foul-ups and mistakes, everything from golf outings to to stupid statements and whatnot, and lack of of discipline to um, to allow this to go on. So, uh, you know, uh, Aaron O'Toole is calling for his head for Aaron O'Toole's reasons, but there are a lot of other good reasons to think that it's time for a, a new defense minister for Canada. Yeah, and yet, uh, if... if... If the other events didn't cost him his job, you wonder why it would the change would happen now. But we'll see. Maybe the election timing is is relevant to that consideration by the prime minister. Yeah, well, that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. if if they if they booted him now, it would look like he's playing to the opposition's tune, and he would just provide fodder for about 500 ads and and uh, bad clips on YouTube. Uh, so, I mean, I think those are going to come anyway, but mm. that's the uh, reality that the Liberals are facing. Now they're stuck with them, I think, now until the election. But uh, I could be wrong. It would look like a sudden change of heart and a, a loss of, uh, of gumption, I think, on the PM's part if you were to change course now. Mm. All right, let's talk about Annamie Paul. And it appears for the moment her leadership of the Green Party is safe. Uh, late last night, the party uh, decided, the senior people in the party decided not to start a process that could have ultimately led to her departure as leader. But 
She is still uh, dealing with a lot of internal controversies and turmoil. Um, so what do you think is going on there and how this is going to play out? Well, the Greens really, uh, I mean, are they a party or are they a club of sort of like-minded activists who have 50 different uh, sort of uh, policy sets that they want to promote. I mean, some it's all the environment, others it's more on democratic reforms, parliamentary reforms, all these kinds of things. And, uh, you know, I don't think they've done much to really establish themselves as a party. And Elizabeth May, uh, you know, very popular and, you know, a very nice person, um, but was a terrible leader. She failed utterly to build a party structure that actually can compete with the other parties in an election scenario. Uh, it's taken them all these years to get three MPs in there. Now, one of them uh, defected to the Liberals last week or the other day. So now you've got the party, which is, you know, tearing at its newly minted leader. I mean, Enemy Paul became leader last October. Um, and, you know, so she is clinging to her job, and, and probably rightly so. I mean, the members haven't removed her. If some cabal of party insiders is trying to uh, pull a stunt on her, I think she has every right to defend her position. But um, this is just not the right time. I mean, you know, again, elections are looming. Uh, is this the time to be, you know, ripping your leader apart? And, and it does appear that a lot of the problems have come about by unelected uh, internal party officials, uh, including her former senior advisor, who seems to be the person who, uh, Noah Zatzman, this individual who set off all this uh, internal angst uh, by a lot of polarizing comments on the conflict in the Middle East between Israel and the Palestinians. So this, I don't think, is a core interest of Green Party voters across Canada, what goes on in the Middle East. I think their interests in voting Green are a lot closer to home. Hmm. So it really is, uh, you know, it says to me this is a party that really has no direction, uh, doesn't understand, you know, who it is or who it represents, and really needs a much more drastic, uh, you know, change of outlook, uh, probably change of uh, of party leadership, if if not in the leader's own office, I mean, right. they, their their executives are not doing a good job either. All right, um, as we wrap up, Dan, let's talk about the decision by the Ontario government announced yesterday to uh, put ten million dollars towards the identification, investigation, and commemoration of burial sites at former residential schools. Um, I expect there will be other provinces and and jurisdictions that will do the same. Um, it's, it's, um, it's, you know, it doesn't resolve everything, but I'm, I'm sure it's a welcome step on the part of people who have been committed for a long time to recognizing what happened at residential schools. Yes, I'm sure you're right about that, Mark, that this is going on across the, uh, across Canada because there, there were residential schools in almost, not all provinces, but in many provinces. So each one of those provinces is probably going to have to have a reckoning of this kind. Um, you know, there will be a demands uh, to, to uh, investigate every residential school site and to find out whether what happened in Kamloops happened other places. And I think in our hearts of hearts, we all know it has. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just been a very, very tragic and, uh, and brutal lesson to all of us, I think. 
Um, and if the Ford government is trying to get out ahead of that, I, I think I, I kind of feel like it's a bit of a political thing on their part. But uh, sometimes doing the political thing and the right thing uh, kind of coincide. Uh, I don't know that $10 million is going to uh, go that far, though, and uh, we'll have to see. But, uh, you know, I know they're investigating, uh, First Nations authorities are investigating other residential school sites for possible uh, graveyards and, and other uh, tragic uh, things like that. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm confident more will emerge, and I'm confident that uh, every province is going to have pressure on it in some way. Yeah to uh, try to make amends. All right, good stuff, Dan. Thank you very much for joining us today. Okay, Mark. That's Dan Legere, longtime political writer and broadcaster. We have heard from the Liberals' own mouths uh, over the last few days that this was a, a deliberate, dastardly act by them uh, to, cro- to sow division between us. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Observer... John Woodside argues the Jenica Atwin fallout forces a reckoning for the Green Party's future. Woodside writes, Atwin's defection is reviving old fights about what the Green Party should stand for and whether it's possible for the party to compete for seats until that question is settled. Atwin, who has since walked back her remarks, dropped responsibility for floor crossing at Annamie Paul's feet, calling their differences irreconcilable. That has since sparked a massive fight in the party over its future and Paul's future in it. In the National Post, Matt Gurney argues Justin Trudeau's G7 mask hypocrisy is a symptom of deeper rot in our political system. Gurney writes, For the most part, it was apparent the Prime Minister was not wearing a mask during events, but for certain pictures made a point of being masked. This echoed the choice by Finance Minister Christia Freeland, at a meeting of G7 financial ministers, to behave similarly. The most you can say about Freeland and Trudeau putting masks on for the snaps, but taking them off for the schmoozing, is that it's an unusually stark example of a government that has never been quite as advertised. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues, a national opioid death crisis requires a national response with decriminalization. The Star writes, Vancouver and Toronto both want Ottawa to decriminalize drug possession within their city borders to help curb rising opioid deaths. But a national crisis requires a national response. The crisis is not contained to Toronto or Vancouver, which is why a patchwork approach to decriminalization is the wrong answer. It's time Ottawa walked that talk by decriminalizing the possession of drugs for personal use and on a national scale. Here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Senate is holding hearings on a senator's private member's bill, which proposes to ensure journalists get fair compensation for their work when it's posted on the web. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, at 6.30 p.m. tonight, Eastern Time, the Senate's Transport and Communications Committee continues its hearings into Senator Claude Carignan's bill S-225. The bill proposes to protect journalists' interests by changing the Copyright Act so that a journalist should receive just remuneration for his or her work, be it articles, reporting, or images, when it is reproduced or published on a digital platform. The purpose of the bill, of course, is to rebalance the situation so that journalists are properly remunerated for their work when it's copied or disseminated online. This has been a gaping hole in the copyright rights of creative producers. 
The legislation follows in the wake of a similar legislative initiative in Australia, which triggered a swift and hostile backlash from the giants of the web. At tonight's hearing, Kevin Chan will be there to speak for one of those giants, Facebook. The well-known legal expert in communications law and copyright, Professor Michael Geist, will also be before the committee. And Jamie Irving will be there on behalf of News Media Canada, representing the country's newspaper publishers and community newspapers. So Mark, an interesting hearing into a bill which is being closely watched by creative content producers, news media, and the so-called giants of the web. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will be in private meetings. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will virtually attend the Liberal Caucus meeting and question period before meeting virtually with the Task Force on Women in the Economy. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will hold a news conference after his party's virtual caucus meeting. Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will hold a news conference in Ottawa. Indigenous Services Minister Mark Miller will hold a news conference to provide a COVID-19 update. Transport Minister Omar Al-Gabra and Infrastructure Minister Catherine McKenna will hold a news conference to announce funding to support infrastructure at the McDonald Cartier International Airport in Ottawa. And Small Business Minister Mary Ng will speak at an event for Diversio and Rosen's Vegan Company. It's called Gender and Racial Equality in the C-Suite, an International Dialogue. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, June the 16th. Tune into Primetime Politics every evening on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.